Hey guys, welcome back to Focus Online, our Sunday night youth group. Um, good having you guys here with us. We are going to be meeting Zoom a little bit after this, so we'll have a lot of discussion there. But I'm just going to go right out in front and say, tonight's another one of those nights where it's going to be a hard topic. We are going to talk about sexual immorality or sexual morality, depending on which side you're coming from. So I just, before we dive into prayer, before we dive into anything else, I just want to give you a little background on this. Um, as I've studied for this, as I've looked at different things, I've read different books. I have one here by Kevin D. Young. Um, it's uh, What Does the Bible Really Teach About Homosexuality? This guy's smarter than I could ever dream of being. I've seen him speak a few times. Um, Listen to some of his messages online. Very biblically sound. Um, so that's one book that I've looked in this week. Um, I've read some stuff by Mo Isom this week. Sex, Jesus, and the Conversations the Church Forgot. Some good stuff in there. Um, I've also read The Naked Truth this week. And we're actually going to use this in just a couple minutes in the lesson before we start the lesson. But once again, some good facts in this book. Um, and then most importantly, the book that I've used the most this week in studying is the Bible. So as we look at the gospel and sexual morality this week, as we look at these things, I just want you guys to know that it's coming not from my opinion but from what God's Word says. And I've actually tapped into a few other people way smarter than me to see how they've developed the thoughts from what God's Word says. So our foundation tonight is going to be God's Word. With that being said, we're going to take a few minutes, we're going to pray, and we'll dive into the lesson that I know you guys are excited for. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity we have to come before you, Lord, and just to lift our request to you, Lord. We do know that our country is kind of at a standstill right now, Lord. We're not quite sure what's going to happen with this virus thing, Lord. We don't know if states are going to open up, if we're going to be meeting in person, or what's going to happen. So I just pray that you would be guiding, that you would be directing, Lord. I do pray that you would help us as believers to be respectful of those making decisions, Lord. We do know that it is hard to do because there's things that we want to do. There's things that we feel like we should be able to do. But I just pray that you'd help us to be respectful and help us to be leaning on you and trusting in you during these times, Lord. I do Pray for our nursing home residents, Lord. I just pray you'd be with them, Lord. This has been a long time for them to be away from the ones they love, Lord. A long time for them to be isolated. So I just pray that you'd be working in them in a great way and that you'd be helping them, Lord. I do pray for our frontline workers, Lord, our nurses, our healthcare professionals, our grocery store workers, our prison workers, Lord, the people that we have that are out there every day on the front lines. We just pray that you'd be working there in a great way, Lord. We do pray for pastors. He prepares this week and he's been preparing to preach. Lord, we do know he's also had a funeral added to him this week, Lord. So we just pray that you just give him the words to share at the funeral and on Sunday, Lord. We do pray for our youth group. We pray for myself, Amanda, Chad. We just pray you'd be guiding, directing us, Lord. I do pray for the students that you'll just work in a great way, Lord, and help them to stay connected, Lord. I do pray for the church board as we will be meeting soon to Look at what some of the next steps are. Pray that you just be guiding and directing there, Lord. I do just think of the tonight, and I do think of the topic. We do know it's not one that we like to talk about, Lord, but we do know that you do have a plan and a purpose and a vision. So I just pray that as we look at these things, that you would guide and direct. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, first thing I want to do is kind of give you a little background as to why we're going to tackle this topic tonight. First of all, we started the series living for God in an ungodly world. We've looked at poverty. We've looked at marriage. We've looked at abortion. We've looked at things like that. 
we really can't do this series justice without looking at sex because we live in a world where they've really perverse where they've really changed what sex is all about okay and i know you guys are all blushing every time i say the word sex but it's okay if i was teaching in front of you i would be blushing too um if i was teaching in front of the adults I'm blushing even more but one reason i want to do that is because as i was reading this book the naked truth by lakita garth here's one of the things i read in this book we're just going to take a quick quiz and see why it's so important i can remember before i get into the quiz i can remember talking to makisha when she was at the care practice center and she talked about how when she went to give a lesson to, to give a message up in auburn hills that they sent her to like a fifth and sixth grade school and that's when she really really realized that this needs to be taught to everybody not just high schoolers not just college students that's really connected with me ever since i heard her say that so let's take a look at this quiz real quick just six questions and let's just see why i can safely say the world has perversed what god designed and then we will get into the message um quiz quiz number one 42,000 people get a sexually transmitted disease in the u.s the choices are a every day b every month c every year or d every decade and the answer to that one is a 42,000 people get a sexually transmitted disease in the u.s every day question number two Two-thirds of the people who get an STD this year will be A, 25 years old or younger, 25 to 40, 40 to 55, or 55 years or older. The answer to that one is A, they will be 25 years old or younger. Um, here we go. What percentage of sexually active single adults have at least one STD? Um, the answer to that is 50%. Um, it says one out of every five in the... Five Americans over the age of 12 has herpes. Fun time in youth group so far, right? Um, by the time they graduate from high school, one in blank sexually active teens has an STD. One in four. So 25%. And question number six. Nearly blank teenage girls get pregnant every year in the USA. The answer is 800,000. So why do we come here to the gospel and sexual morality? Why do we come and talk about the gospel and sex? Because we are living in an ungodly world that has promoted that. So we are going to dive into the lesson. We're going to see what God designed. We're going to see God's design for it. We're going to see God's perfection, the world's perversion, and our protection. Um, before we dive in too far to that, um, I was thinking this week about when I worked at the medical supply company. I was a patient service technician. That means that I went out and set up the beds, the oxygen machines, stuff like that. I can remember how it worked was at 5 o'clock, whoever was on call had to go do anything. That got called in after 5 o'clock. But anything before 5 o'clock, it was whoever they found in the office or whoever they wanted to send. So I can remember being there at the end of the day, getting ready to clock out at 5 o'clock. And at 4.55, that phone rang, there was some panic that came across our face. We all took off. We took off running. We did not want to be there at 5 o'clock. before. I mean, before 5 o'clock, to be told we're going to do this. So it was just like... You know what? You hear the phone ring, you flee, you run, you get away from the danger. You know, as I was looking at our lesson this week and I was looking at what we need to do, I couldn't help but think about that. We're going to see tonight that we're going to see tonight that the gospel and sexual morality, we're going to see that 
And we see that the gospel calls what the gospel calls us to in this area in our life. And like I said before, we're going to look at God's perfection, the world's perversion, and our protection. Um, Genesis 131 says this, and God, and God saw everything he had made, and behold, it was good. And, he, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. So we see God's perfection. We've seen the story of creation. We've seen it in Genesis. We've seen that when God made the stuff, he said it was good. He said it was good. He said it was good. And then he said it was very good. You know, it was perfect. God made everything great. It was amazing. And with that being said, we need to pause for a second and ask ourselves, well, who invented sex? A lot of people try to think that man invented sex, which they didn't. Um, just not how it is. We know that God invented it because of what we read in Genesis 1.28. Genesis 1.28 says this, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. 1 Corinthians 7, 2-3 says, but because of the temptation of, to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. So you see, God designed sex. He invented it. He designed it. Okay? We see that he commanded it. A lot of people are going to say, well, God's against it. And he's not. He's for it in the proper context. But here's what we need to realize. If God designed it, that means it is good. Right? He designs good things. But it's only good in the proper context. So see, God has a place for it. And here's the thing. A lot of people are saying, well, it's bad. It's terrible. God wants nothing to do with that. And it kind of takes God out of it. And God needs to be in it. Because he's the one who designed it. And that sounds really strange. I know it does. But it really is the truth that we see from the word of God. Um, a lot of people are going to say, it's terrible. Stay away from it. It's gross. It's yucky. Save it for the one you love. Does that make a lot of sense? It's so bad, save it for the one you love. And here's the thing. We should be saving it for the one we love, the one that we are going to spend the rest of our life with. That's God's design. You see, God's design for it, God's plan for it, God's place for it is in the marriage, is within the confines of marriage. You see, in the proper place, great thing that God designed for us. You know, I kind of think about a fire. Monday night, we decided to have some s'mores. I had some wood that I was going to burn. So we decided to have some s'mores. And here's what happened. We lit the fire inside the fire pit outside, and the fire stayed there. Great thing. It allowed us to cook the s'mores, gave off some heat. It was a good thing. A few years ago, probably about seven years ago now, we were outside burning some stuff, and it did not stay inside the fire pit. It ended up in the field. Not a good thing. We had a field fire. You see, fire in the proper place, good. Outside of the proper place, bad. We see that fireplace in the living room gives off heat can be pretty right fireplace in the middle fire in the middle of the living room floor not good in the fireplace in the living room good middle living room floor not good that is the same thing with god's design for sex he has the proper place for it inside the marriage outside of the proper place it's dangerous it's painful it's scary so that is god's perfection god designed it it's good. It fits perfectly into his plan for creation for the world. It per, fits perfectly with his plan for Adam and Eve to procreate. But you see, the world has per, perversed it. There's a lot of perversion. The world has made it a god. They worship it. 
Um, I don't know if you ever watch TV. I try to sometimes. Um, every commercial almost, they will try to sell you stuff with sex. It's amazing. The Reese's Peanut Butter Aid commercial. The bunny and the peanut butter. That's what it's selling right there. They're using sex to sell peanut butter eggs. Any sporting event, that's what they use. It's an amazing thing. They use it in TV to, for commercials. They use it in music. They use it everywhere to sell. They use it to seek comfort. Well, you know, I didn't get enough attention when I was a kid, so I'm going to do this. I know people who have done that, that they sought their comfort outside of God, and they chose sex as the God they were choosing comfort from. They say it's just a physical act. And they look at it and say, you know what? It's just a physical act. doesn't really matter. It's just for fun. Just for our own pleasure. It means nothing. Well, you know, the thing is, in Genesis 4, let's look it up real quick. Genesis 4, 1. If you have your Bible, turn there. Genesis is the first book in the Bible. Don't know why I was looking in the New Testament. Genesis 4 1 says, Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. So that word that's used there for new, that word is actually the Hebrew word yada. And that Hebrew word yada means the mingling of souls. I know right now, if you're a Seinfeld fan, all that's going through your head is yada, yada, yada. But this actually means the mingling of souls. It means that two people have come together and their souls have been intertwined. Kind of like what we saw in the definition of marriage last week, right? Genesis 2.28. For a man shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Do you see that? intermingling of souls right there and that's how god designed it but the world says it's just a physical act it's nothing more than two people having fun there's no strings attached they also say well you know everybody's doing it um during our zoom meeting we're going to look at the numbers to see just how true that is um won't be anything deep don't worry but that's really not true everybody's not doing it that's just how they portray it on TV. That's how they portray it in music, in the media. It's just not the truth. You see, the world has no idea about what it's really all about. And the last thing we're going to look at today is our protection. We're going to look at what the Bible says about us, how we should stay away from this sexual immorality, and how we can stay away from this sexual immorality. We're actually only going to look at one verse. There's many we could have looked at, but I think this one verse does it a lot of justice. Um... So, how do we avoid the world's view? How do we stay away from the world's view about sex? And how do we keep ourselves sexually moral? How do we abide by God's plan? 1 Corinthians 6.18 says this, Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside of the body, but, sexual, but the sexual immoral person sins against their own body. You know what it says there? The first word there is flee. We are to run away from it as fast as we can. Kind of like I talked about in the first part of the lesson, right? When I was at the medical supply company. We heard that thing turn on, that phone ring. We fled, man. We were out of there. We did not want to get called. When that sexual morality, when that temptation comes, we are to flee. The word that's used here for sexual immorality actually refers to every sexual act outside of marriage. So we're anything that 
falls under that category we're to flee from. It could be those good old boy locker room jokes. It could be TV. It could be media. It could be music. All those things, we're supposed to flee from them. We're not supposed to stand there and say, well, just a little bit's not going to hurt me. We're not supposed to stand there and say, well, it's just a joke. It's just a commercial. It's just a song. We're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to flee. Maybe it's your computer. Maybe it's your MacBook Pro that has you tempted by sexual immorality. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to flee those things. We're supposed to put up guards against them. We're supposed to get away from them. It doesn't say stand there and fight. It says flee, get away from it. You see, God knows we're not strong enough to do this on our own. He knows we're not strong enough to stand there and fight, but we are to flee from these things. So how do we protect ourselves against this? We flee. We run from this. But here's a great thing when we're fleeing, do you know where we go? We go to God. We go to him. We ask him for help. We open up his word, see what his word says about it. We seek his advice. We seek his wisdom. And that's how we are to protect ourselves. So as I thought about what can we take home from this, how does the gospel and sexual morality apply to you guys today, apply to me today? I thought about the fact that we need to realize God's plan. God has a plan. You look at creation. You look at everything that happened, the fall. You look at the flood. You look at all that stuff. You see God's plan unfolding. You look at the birth, the death, the burial, the resurrection. You look at the church. You look at things falling into place now for the second coming. God has a plan. He has a design. And his design is perfect. So we need to realize God's plan for sex. We need to make sure we are following God's plan for sex. That we are doing what he has called us to. That we are going by what the designer has showed us to go by. The last thing is we need to flee when those moments come. It's easy to say it's just a joke. It's easy to say I'm stronger than this. I can defeat it. The truth is we're not. God's word tells us we're not. We are to flee. So my prayer for us this week is that we would recognize when those moments come that we would flee those moments and that we would be seeking God's design for sexual morality. Let's pray.